Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. It's going to be sick on this Tuesday, November 14th. I am Marinaro, one minute past 10 o'clock Eastern, and the Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 2-1 to one versus the Calgary Flames on home ice. The Canadiens losing after losing on Sunday night at home versus the Vancouver Canucks, and they're going to try to avoid three straight home losses on Thursday night when they host the Vegas Golden Knights. This one wasn't pretty. This one wasn't easy. This one uh, did not see a lot of goals. Not on the power play either. A power play that's been doing really, really well in the last three weeks or so that had propelled itself into the top 10 of the National Hockey League. Went 0 for 4 for the Montreal Canadiens tonight. And they just couldn't mount any offense. And the little offense that they did mount, well, it's Gustav Lundstrom. Uh, a defenseman who scored for the Montreal Canadiens. So the offense just couldn't get itself going. The forwards couldn't get themselves going. Cole Caulfield had eight shots in this game, but he couldn't get it in either. Struggling Cole is even on the power play where it looked like Nick Suzuki set him up for what looked like to be an empty cage, and he missed the net. That's not Cole Caulfield-like. He now has one goal in the last nine games. Are we ready to hit this? I won't do it just yet, but... What I will do is I'm going to bring in Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.c. As I just sneezed, what's going on? Hey. Oh, that was a tough one, Tony. Yeah. Playing a, a uh, playing a bottom feeder like that. And uh, you got to be able to get the two points against the teams that if you want to be competitive for the playoffs. Yeah. You got, you got to win those games against the Calgarys. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me why because I'm probably wrong more often than I'm right. I, I, I thought this one was going to be a very close game the way it was. I thought Calgary was going to come out on top the way they were. I, I don't even know why I thought that. I think when I looked at, um, and look, Calgary doesn't have the strongest team on paper. I get it. But when I think I when I looked at some of the depth that they had at the center ice position in this game and the fact that Markstrom was going to be back in goal, I don't know Markstrom's record against the Montreal Canadiens. He just <laughs> seems to play pretty well against them. But I go, you know what? Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Mikkel Backlund, and um, you know, that's 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 not bad depth at the center ice position. Huberdeau is struggling. 
And uh, maybe he was going to be up for a big game in Montreal. As it turned out, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't very good at all. I didn't even know that Jonathan Huberto played in this hockey game, to tell you the truth. But you're right. The Montreal Canadiens do lose a tough one. I talked about the power play that has been really going over the last month or so. They weren't going tonight. And I got to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. By no means, I'm not going to tell you that they would have won this hockey game with Michael Pizzetta, right? I just think, Grant, he's an easy guy to scratch. But if I take a look at his last two or three games, oh. he's giving the Montreal Canadiens his heart, his soul, his energy. He's leading them in hits. Do you know who led the Canadiens in hits tonight? No. Slavkowski. Okay. Four hits. Yeah, well, he's led them enough times. Uh, he's one of only five players to have 25-plus uh, hits and 12 block shots in the league. I think, which is... I, think I, just, I think I just made your night by telling you that Slavkowski led the Canadians in a category tonight. Look, uh, well, he, he, led them, he led them in assists, too, or at why, least. Why, why, don't, why don't you get up and you and I will do a dance at a distance. We'll do a little <laughs> Tarantella dance. Look, I Tarantella. <laughs> Listen, uh, I don't want to show my shorts, but uh, or I'd get up, Tony. Yeah, okay. Oh, you're wearing shorts, huh? All right. Oh. Uh, there are um, enough of us to go around. Even I get involved in that category every now and then. Who say, you know what? I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. Doesn't have a lot of production. Two points going into the game tonight in the last fifteen and. You've been one guy who's been very consistent with his views that, you know, let's not panic here. You've given a bunch of examples of other players who have been in the league uh, for about four or five years now. We're seeing uh, what's going on, of course, with Alexi Lafreniere. He's not the only one, but you can add Lafreniere's name to the list of players that people were worried about. Uh, so much so that Larry Brooks was worried about him even a month ago in training camp or a month and a half ago, saying this guy doesn't even look like he's trying. And now all of a sudden he's on a pace of a goal every other game. Uh, yeah. You've been pretty consistent with your views. People, be patient. There are some positive signs. The points aren't coming, but there are some positive signs. You're on the program tonight. You're on the Sick Podcast. Talk to me about some of those uh, positive signs. I just think he's playing really well. And uh, I, I've i seen improvement since uh, the start of the year. Um, every time he's been put with uh, offensive players, he's he's looked good. Um he started the year with Doc and uh, and Newhook, and yeah. they looked really good. Then he, uh, he got he had a great with, first game in Toronto. He had a great first game in Toronto. Yeah. Then he got put with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, scored a goal that night. Um, since he's been with Dvorak and Caulfield, uh, I mean, tonight was the first night that he had a point, but he uh, that line has been snake bitten. Like they. You know, they had 11 shots on goal today. Yeah, in uh, between in between all of that, we should point out that he played on a line with Newhook and Anderson. And of his moments right. where he probably was his le that he was lesser effective yes. was when he was with those players. But in the games that you highlighted, the first game of the season with Newhook and, uh, and the Doc, he was very, very good. Yeah, uh, and then uh, when he played with Caulfield and Suzuki, he scored a goal that night, albeit not with them, but on the second wave of the power play. I really liked his last three games. I see him. Yeah, I, you know it's funny what a goal can do every now and then. But that goal in St. Louis, since he scored it, I find he's playing more confident and yeah. he's using his body more. I don't think it's a coincidence that tonight he led the Canadians in that category of hits with four hits in the hockey game. He's using his body a lot more. The other night, he got hit and hit hard, 
And after he got hit and hit hard, but he didn't put himself in a bad spot. He was a hockey player. He got hit. And after he got hit, it seemed like he he really started, you know what? It was it was kind of like, all right, okay, I'm awake now. Let's go. And uh, I thought he was I thought he was good the other night. I think he's been good. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I count me among those who at one point said, you know, I think we got to start thinking about Laval here for his confidence to get points. Sure. And I might revisit sure. that, by the way. I might revisit that at some point. But in the last three games, I really liked them. Yeah. The puck uh, seems to be following him around, you know, the last three games, which is always a good sign. Um, He's anticipating to play well. I think he's doing less uh, standing around thinking and and just, you know, moving, uh, utilizing that that speed that, you know, we saw that live, Tony, uh, when you're right at ice level, like we were for that game in Winnipeg. He, You know, the kid can skate. Not in Winnipeg versus Winnipeg. uh, Yeah, in in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah. Versus Winnipeg, yeah, yeah, in Montreal, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, but yeah, don't uh, worry about it. I'm just having fun with you. He, yeah, <laughs> um, he's he's um he's, he's a good skater. He carves up the ice. He, yeah, he eats the ice. When he skates, the ice is in pain. As a matter of fact, on one or two occasions, I heard the the ice grimace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's and uh, I've I've really liked his play away from the puck. And Marty, uh, it, it's been nice to hear Marty bring that up uh, yeah. a few times lately uh, where, um, he, you know, he's he's making the right reads. Uh, even tonight, there'll be there'll be a couple of highlights that I'll uh, I'll end up posting on Twitter when they come up. But where he, where he, he was the guy back, you know, he ended up making the defensive play and it wasn't yeah. mentioned at the time, but it was uh, if he hadn't jumped back. Uh, Calgary gets a gets a, a break, and uh, so he's he reads the play well. And I even saw that in his draft year, where um, I think his sense has been t- taking a bit of a beating because we've seen him panic with the puck at times. And um, even in the first period of the game, the last game, where he you know where he got the puck in the, in the slot. And we've seen it a few times this year, even the Winnipeg, uh, the game against Winnipeg, <laughs> he, uh, you, you know, he kind of had hiccups when he got the, it's like he, he just panics a little bit when he's got the puck in the slot area. But I've noticed uh, after the first period last night, I don't know if they had a talking to him or not, but I, I wonder if that panic was a game, result is a result of overthinking, right? You're yeah, he one. just started shooting the puck, and yeah. uh, he's got a really good shot, and it, they'll start to go in for him. Um, I haven't but, seen that yet, though. I, I haven't seen that yet. This year, oh, no, the shot? No. This year, oh. the shot? Yeah, oh, no, he's got a really good shot. No, yeah. no, but have you seen it this year? Like, I mean, we heard the same. This year, have you seen the shot that, the kind of shot that he has? Is you Have you seen it? Where he really got all of it, where he said, "Okay, that's he shot the puck." Oh yeah, there. yeah, he's had two or three that uh, really good shots, okay. but uh, I mean, they haven't got in, right? He hasn't scored yeah. on a, on a nice shot, so we're not seeing it. You know, I mean, how many goals does Cooley have? One. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. We haven't seen his great shot either. No, I mean, they, they're kids. Shane, right? I haven't seen his great shot yet this year either, Tony. It's did uh, you see? Did you see his play on the Lindstrom goal? Yeah, yeah, that was so, nice. Uh, where he did the spin around. Uh, correct. He he spun 
in yeah. the offensive zone by yep. the boards on the left-hand side. He was he was marked by Sharankovich, and he spun and yep. turned him before giving the puck to Dvorak behind the net, who we found Lindstrom on the side of the yeah. net, who was able to put it in. He didn't just pass the. He had a man on him. He had a decision to make. He had a second. To, okay, you got to make a decision here. His instincts yeah. took over. He spun and turned him. It was a really, really good play that led to a secondary assist. But it almost seemed like a primary assist for me because it was it was just a really good play by him. Yeah, and we've seen that more and more as as the season's gone along, where he's making uh, instinctive plays along the boards, where he, you know. Yes, he's still uh, losing the puck a bit too much, and you get a little frustrated sometimes with it because first overall pick, you want you want him to be perfect, but mm-hmm. it, it's a learning curve. And uh, I think what we've seen, particularly in the last week, is uh, a, a really noticeable improvement in his game, and a lot of it has to do with confidence. I think he's he's confident. He's doing less uh, thinking out there and and just reacting, and he's got good instincts. I mean, I saw it. I scouted him a lot in uh, his draft year, and I saw a lot of things that I liked that we're starting to see at the NHL level. And I think uh, um, it's just gonna it's just gonna get better as the season goes along. I think he'll end up picking up 30, 40 points before the years. Uh, you know, the last there's sixty six games to go. You know, um, I was looking back at Joe Thornton because he's been a good, uh, good comparable there uh, where he struggled offensively in his first year. His first 31 games, Tony, he scored one goal and had no assists Um, for a guy that ended up with the seven most assists in NHL history. That's quite notable that. You know, Joe wasn't able to pick up an assist in his first 31 games. So it uh, it's not an easy adjustment adjustment for all players at the NHL level. And I think yeah. uh, I think what we're seeing is Slavkovsky's getting comfortable. And that was, I think, the main thing that had to happen because uh, he's got the physical skills and the mental skills. Um, just um, it's experience. And yeah. uh, I think... I think it's only going to keep uh, getting better from here on in. You know, we, we've seen the stats where Joe Thornton, once again, had only seven points in his first season in the National Hockey League in 55 games. The year after, he averaged a point every other game, and then it just got better and better and better. We saw Tage Thompson, who, you know what, it was uh, difficult in his first couple of years, and then into year four in the National Hockey League, boom, he started to come into his own. We talked about Alexi Lafreniere before. The thing that has people worried is that you bring up these names, they will they start thinking about names of guys who were first picks overall in the past who didn't go on to have the careers that a lot of people saw in them so i think that's what worries people right oh my god is he uh, is he nail yakubov is he patrick stefan is he going to be one of those guys that went first overall and didn't have the career that he was expected to have that's what worries me well, in the last uh, what 6 7 years uh kids that have picked first overall and and uh were 18 years old and played at 18 um i mean the i i sent a stat or uh a graphic i don't know if uh yellow I think, we have it. It. I think we have it yeah yeah if he says we have, it, we have it. there we go there we go okay here we go okay 
so their first 60 games, right? Yeah. This is their points per 60 uh, minutes, okay? Yeah. Um, Hirschay, Kotkaniemi, Le Cavalier were all clearly ahead of Lafreniere, Hughes, and Horton. Thornton. Uh, Thornton. Yeah. So Jack Hughes struggled his first 60 games. Lafreniere struggled his first 60 games. KK, for all of the heat that he took, had one of the better seasons in recent times as an 18-year-old. And uh, then look, now look at their fourth season. By the fourth season, Jack Hughes was averaging 3.81 points per 60. That was last year. So far this year, he's averaged two points a game that he's played. It basically got flipped where Hichier is, is averaging quite, you know, in his fourth season was averaging quite a bit less. So we've seen guys that had really good first years and you think, oh, they're going to be superstars. And then they don't, you know, they don't develop like, like you w- would think if you said, well, he shares going to be a better NHL than Jack Hughes based on, he had almost triple the, the points, uh, you know, for ice time in his rookie year. Well, that's, uh, that is an example right there that you just, it's way too soon to to look at stats and say, "Oh, well, that guy's not going to be uh, a high point scorer because look at his first sixty games." Well, okay, Joel Thornton, so, so Joel Thornton averaged less than a point per sixty minutes his first sixty games, and he's uh, the seventh yeah. all-time assist leader in the NHL history. So, yeah. So in his I, first I that, you know, fifty-five games, including tonight, Slavkovsky averages more than a point. He's up to 1.09 now after tonight. I I, I re uh, I added in tonight's game, so 1.09, and he's still got another five games before he hits 60. That could get up close to like if he gets three or four points in the next five games, and that uh-huh. the way he's playing, I wouldn't doubt it. It's going to be close to 1.32, which is what Hughes averaged in his first 60 games. So I I think that that's that. Just goes to show you, Tony, that uh, you know you can't be you can't put all your eggs in one basket and look at as as Marty Saint Louis said the other day. Well, because the reporters keep asking him about Slavkowski struggling even after he's played good games, and yeah. and Marty said, you know, too many people are looking at the score sheet. Uh, he's playing well, and it's true. Um, and the advanced stats bear that out too. His uh, course he's in the top 200 in the league. His uh, expected goals are in and around top 100 in the league. So even the advanced stats are backing that up. Where you know, yeah, it's not you're not seeing it on the score sheet yet, but the kid's playing well, and the points will come. What do you think of Caulfield's game? Because he's clearly snake bitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into tonight's game, Caulfield led Montreal Canadiens players in points. Um, and But he's got five goals now in 16 games. So it's uh, a goal every three-point-something games. He's a yeah. streaky scorer. We know that. At the beginning of the season, you know, it looked like he was going to score like 60 goals. <laughs> and now we're wondering if he's going to score 35. Oh. 
Um, tonight you saw like, um, and scores are all about confidence, right? When the confidence is high, they all go in no matter where, like he fanned on three shots earlier this season. I think, I think he scored on those three and, uh, right. but, you know, his confidence is low right now. And he's got a pass from Suzuki in his office and he ends up missing the net. I've you other than the player's confidence is at a low, other than the player looks like he's a little snake bitten right now and a little bit unlucky. Have you been able to put your finger on anything that you think he's doing differently? Um, is there anything that you're noticing why he's not scoring with the same frequency as you would think that he would? Well, I I, I look back to uh, the year that he uh, started the season under Ducharme. What were his stats there, Tony? I think he had uh, one goal in 30-something games. Right. So, I mean, if this was under Ducharme, he'd be, uh, you know, five goals. That's... That's amazing. <laughs> but how did he end that year, Tony? He had like... Uh, yeah. You know, but I think, Grant, up until three weeks ago, I think you sent me a stat. I think Cole Caulfield had 49 or 50 goals in his last 82 or 83 games or something. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, it's it, it. yeah, it's disappointing that he's... Uh, you cursed him with that stat. You cursed him. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But he... Uh, I, you know, you wonder a little bit, I guess. He had shoulder surgery last year, right? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because even when he scored, look, I've seen him wire the puck a couple of times, but I didn't know if I was the only one in this assessment. That wiring of the puck, it doesn't seem to happen all the time. I don't, is it me or is his shot not where it used to be before the operation? It's quite possible, and uh, but that doesn't mean that it that it doesn't. It just it's just uh, simply a matter of time. It's like uh, like a you know when a guy has a major knee surgery, right? Yeah, takes them a little while before they're they're back a hundred percent to what they were before. That's and I I mentioned it in the off season. I hope that he doesn't lose any of his shot because that's his bread and butter. Of course, but but. It, it could be just a matter of, I, I'm thinking that it, I mean, he had major shoulder surgery, so it's not something that you can uh, expect to be back to what it was uh, right away. And I mean, we're only what, six weeks into the season, something yeah. like that. So um, I'm thinking. And less, than that, that less than that. Was opening night not October five, 11th in Toronto? Five, five weeks into the season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, five weeks. So, yeah, if you October thirty one days, so it's been five weeks. Yeah, well, tomorrow tomorrow will be five weeks on the nose. It was a Wednesday yeah. night that they opened up their season in Toronto. Right. So, uh, I think I think it's probably has something to do with it, Tony. Um, I wouldn't worry about it after sixteen games after five weeks, but if uh, the next thirty two games he scores less than five goals. And uh, the shot doesn't seem to be what it was before. Then you start to maybe uh, get a little bit concerned about that because his shot is his uh, bread and butter for sure. So with just over 12 and a half minutes to go in the game and the Canadians trailing by a score of two to one, Marty St. Louis makes a coaching move. He puts Caulfield up with Suzuki and Newhook. And he brings Anderson down to play with Dvorak and Slavkowski. 
It didn't pay off. He didn't get a goal from either line or any other player in this game. But now it begs the question. After just a couple of games of separating Caulfield and Suzuki, and now two straight losses on home ice, does Marty St. Louis, in your opinion, go back to reuniting Caulfield and Suzuki? He might. Um, I thought I think the Dvorak lines looked really good. So um I think that would be unfortunate for Slavkowski, but uh Caulfield's your quote unquote fifty goal scorer, so you gotta get him going, right? Um I think Slav and, and Caulfield have looked good together. They uh just hasn't uh resulted in goals yet, but um what I noticed too, Tony, was it they started off with Dvorak with Anderson and, and Slav, but mm-hmm. they they put Monahan with Anderson and Slav as well. I yeah. noticed. Yeah. I'd love to see Anderson play with or sorry, Slavkowski play with Monahan. Because he's just such a smart centerman and, and good defensively. I think they'd be great uh, duo uh both ends of the ice. Because I think Slavkowski is going to be uh, one of the elite defensive hockey players in the league. Uh, he's just got all of the attributes, and we, we see it. And it, it's developing block shots, hits, um, covering up for guys, back checking. I don't know if you saw that uh, clip I put up of his two back checks uh, yeah. two games ago. Mm-hmm. He just, you know... He uh, outskated everybody to get back into into the play. He's got that competitive spirit to him, and uh, very unselfish. And I, I really think that he's going to be a, an excellent defensive player in addition to to getting points. And um, well, I'd love to see him with Monahan. I hope Grant that that line, uh, the yeah. Pearson line. Like I think Pearson has in his last eleven games, he's got. One point, I do yeah. believe. Yeah. So uh, that that line started out pretty decent, but I wouldn't. Uh, the last eleven games, I think Pearson's minus six or uh, and one point. So breaking that lineup wouldn't be the end of the world either. I don't think because I. Well, I I look at it this way, Grant. If those are if those players, uh, and I think Gallagher's had a pretty good season, by the way, deserves credit. Yeah. But if those players are third line players right now, we're talking about Gallagher and Pearson. Then they should have the third line centerman on this team, and not the second, you know, not the second line centerman right. on the team. I mean, they right. should have. And you know what? With all due respect to Caulfield. I saw a stat earlier tonight on tel- watching the game on television that Monahan is the player who's picked up points in most of the games, more so than any other player on the team. You can make an argument that Monahan is the first-line centerman of the team 15 or 16 games into the season, yet he's yeah. on the third line. So I, I would I would take Monahan off that line for sure and put Dvorak to center Gallagher and Pearson. No doubt about it. I agree with you there, 100%. Yeah. You know, Grant, it's easier for a coach to make lineup changes uh, or, or changes to his lines when – You've lost a couple of games on home ice, especially too. Like he's right. He might be tempted to go that way versus the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday night. I might even consider um, Gallagher top six because, like you say, he has been playing well. Yeah, Josh Anderson. I'm sorry, but he's he's playing 18 minutes a game. He's playing every power first power play. He's playing at the end when they're uh, six on five. 
He's playing overtimes. He's playing every offensive opportunity. How many goals does he have, Tony? Uh, he doesn't have many. Uh, he's got none. Uh, right. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you the only thing that's going for uh, Anderson this year is drawing penalties. Yeah. I, I think I read somewhere that he's number one in the league for drawing penalties. I mean, that, you know, that that's yeah. a pretty impressive stat, you have to admit. But oh. talk about confidence. Talk about snake bin. Like Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson, I'm telling you, if they had some time off and they don't have much between now and Thursday, obviously, I would take them, get on a plane, uh, go to the nearest beach, put the puck on the sand. If he hits the water, you bring him back home with you, and he's ready to play next game. <laughs> if he doesn't, you leave him there. <laughs> I don't know why they keep putting him out the last minute. Like, I, you don't try to get him going when you need a goal. You've got the six on five. Try to get him going earlier in the game. But when you need that goal, and then who's the guy that got set up with 10 seconds left in the slot? Was Anderson. And it's like, what do you do? He fat out and even got the puck away. Like, I don't understand why they keep putting him in school when they absolutely desperately need a goal. He's one of the guys on the ice. Why? And on the, on the power play, like they didn't have they didn't have Slavkovsky on the ice, did they? At the end, no, they have never. They don't ever. And uh, why do you Anderson, think? I mean, God bless him, but he's not a playmaker. He's got one, three power play assists in the past four years, I believe it is. Um, he doesn't screen the goalie on the power play. He sits up in the high slot as a sniper, and he's not scoring. He hasn't scored a goal all year. And he's been on the first power play. They trot him out. They put him out six on five at the end of the games faithfully. And uh, the other thing that that I find funny is that that first power play unit, they will, they stick him out. They could have played a two-minute shift. And if they get a penalty, they're out there. Like, it doesn't matter. They're dead tired. They go out. Anderson again tonight. He just had a long shift. And you know you're thinking, okay, well they'll surely they'll put Slaff or Newhook or somebody in there to start the no, you know you see him in the faceoff dot and he's, you know he's sucking wind and 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 then they had to rush back to get because yeah. Calgary got a like almost got a break and they were all dead tired because they've been playing they'd just been playing, um, the other night last game I think. They had had a 90-second shift, and a, they got a penalty against, and they kept them out five-on-three. Like, they wouldn't take Anderson off even five-on-three after a 90-second shift because they just, for whatever reasons, those guys dead tired. They think Anderson with no power play points in the last four years, dead tired is still still better than having uh, trying Slavkowski or Newhook. And I just find it a bit... A bit curious, but hey, they're top ten in uh, going into this game. They were top ten in power play scoring, so I guess you can only be so critical of it. But I still think it could be better. I think I think Anderson needs to be taken off the first power play until he starts scoring. He starts scoring, sure. I mean, he you know he's got a good hard shot. Yeah, and when he gets it off, when he gets it on net. You know, he it's dangerous, but he's missing the net. His sights are off this year. Uh, yeah. 
You know, the what? closest he's come is a couple of, uh, yeah, I mean, he hit the crossbar tonight and there yeah. was one nice save, but 80% of the time, it seems like he's missing the net altogether. So I think they need to get him off the first power play. Yeah. By the way, bad news coming out of Buffalo. Charlie McAvoy of the Boston Bruins kicks out his left foot and catches uh, Tage Thompson's, uh, I don't know if it's his, uh, if it's his ankle, left ankle. Uh, let me just take a look at it. Yeah, left foot, left ankle. And he leaves the game. And Sabres head coach Don Granato says that Tage Thompson will miss significant time. So that's a, a really, really bad injury wow. there for uh, Tage Thompson. We're just talking about him before that it took a while for him to get going. And uh, he did, but that's that's really bad news. All right, okay. Um, coming out of the Montreal Canadiens room, um, Marty St. Louis, and I'm getting this off of Anthony Martineau of Tivia's uh, timeline on Twitter on Caulfield's play and Slavkovsky's play. Les deux ont eu un bon match ensemble. Ils ont bien joué. Alors, si tu vois ça comme un chimie grand centre, je dirais que oui. The two players played well together. So if you want to start calling that chemistry, yeah, I would say that it is. Uh, then he was asked about um, the fact that a couple of his forwards are snakebitten. I would imagine it's in regards to Caulfield and Anderson. Uh, it's an opportunity uh, to to yeah, could be yeah, to to grow. He says, um, uh, for me, I can you know I can continue to show. Uh, a side of me uh, that I look at as a quality, which is my empathy, and it's important for me to help the guys. So he's basically saying uh, that he's, he's 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 feeling for them and he's trying to help them along instead of you know um, in, instead of you know probably putting some kind of uh, pressure on them. Uh, Josh Anderson, it's the first time. Um, he says, uh, I, I, I have to change something now. I, I, I don't know at this point. It might be my stick. I don't know. But I feel like I have to change something. Thoughts? Lie of a stick, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Marty is such a player's coach, isn't he? Yeah. You, you got to love that about him. I, what, one thing I noticed and I, and I commented on tonight was both goals were scored early in shifts. Uh, uh, you know, a player's shift. Uh, a line shift mm-hmm. he he kept them out there and we saw that uh you know i mean w- remember michelle terry and if it <laughs> could be a three second shift and if you uh if you were scored again you were off you know mm-hmm. you may not get on for another five minutes like he just stew because the line was on for a goal against marty will keep the line put the line right back out at center ice line up for the next one you know I, I I got thinking like he must it must have bothered him when he when he played and he get pulled off after 15 seconds because the other team scored it wasn't necessarily their fault but just the coach would get mad get angry at at the, at the line for being on for a goal against but uh, the Winnipeg game remember Tony um, yeah the start of the period new hooks line goal against second period. They uh, put them right back out there again, but they scored again, right? Yeah. But, uh, somebody was commenting, and I didn't notice at the time, but and I'll, I'm going to go back and have a look at the tape, but 
uh, was saying that uh, the defense pairing stay, kept stayed out there. That even after the two goals and one shift, like one line shift, that apparently the the two defensemen, even after starting the period in the first minute with goals against, that they stayed out there. So I'm not. I think it's probably it was probably that game. So I'm gonna go back and have a look at it. But it just it just goes to show you that you know. Um, yeah, no, a line never likes to have a goal scored against them, and they they want to stay out there and they want to make amends for it. And Marty says, "Okay, you know, I'm not going to blame the line and uh, punish you by taking you off after being on uh-huh. 15 seconds. You go back out and uh, make amends." And I like that approach. I, I think in the long run, it's it's moves like that uh, that are going to uh, help the Canadians as they. Uh, as they grow as a team. But I'm telling you, you know, it's just they keep trying to find a a good top six, and uh, we see it more and more where that Doc injury is just, if they had Doc Mm -hmm. this year, they could be, uh, I really think they could have contended because there's a lot of other pieces that are falling into place with the team. Yeah. And uh, they may be just, a Kirby Doc short of being contenders this year. And it, it, it's unfortunate well, that they I, had him. I said at the time when he went down, you'll be able to make up for the loss of Kirby Doc short term, but yes. long term is just going to catch up with you because, yeah, they, they you know, it, they just they couldn't afford, you know, they had some depth, but they couldn't afford that. By the way, Jose Levesque tells me Tidge Thompson came back after the ankle injury, but didn't come back after he took a shot on the wrist later in the game. Thank you very much for that, Jose. Just going by what I'm reading off of Twitter, of course. So thank you. I appreciate it. All right, okay. We're going to get to your calls, by the way. Yeah? When you said there was something bad, and then you said Charlie McAvoy, well, why why is this bad? This is sounding uh, like it's going to be good. McAvoy's injured? No, I don't want any player injured, obviously. No, I know that. I know that. But if it was going to be somebody, uh, you know, a Bruin would, you know, I, I'd settle for a Bruin, but anyway. Why don't we bring up the uh, the score sheet if we can very, very quickly before getting to your calls? And we're opening up the phone lines at 1 888 585 SIC, 1 888 585 7425. The scoring came in period number two it was Nazem Kadri. Um, flames clear the zone. The puck Grant gets behind Gustav Lindstrom. And all of a sudden, I think the last man back is Justin Barron. Uh, Kadri has the puck being watched by Dvorak. And he makes a move on Dvorak, spins and turns, takes a shot. One that I think Montembeau should have had, yeah. but it goes in. Then we talked about the great play that Slavkovsky made by spinning and turning on Sharangovich, passes the puck to Dvorak, to Lindstrom, so Dvorak and Lindstrom are able to make amends for what was a, a mistake <laughs> by both of them on That's the right. first goal. So that cancels itself out. But then <laughs> at 13.07 of period number two, uh, what I retained from this goal was a couple of things. One is that Jack I gave Zary some space, wasn't able to tie him up. But two, Nazem Kadri won a very important offensive zone faceoff versus a guy who's usually very good at them, Sean Monaghan. 
Yeah. And uh, that ended up being the difference in the hockey game. Canadians outshoot Calgary 34-29, but it doesn't matter. They lose by a score of 2-1. to one. They, By the way, they had a goal, uh, which they scored, but was called offside. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a well. There's a couple. Of, uh, I'm talking about uh, Calgary, by the way. Dvorak uh, uh, made a really nice pass too on that on that goal. That he saucered it over the the back of the net a little yes. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh, I think um, Dave Poulin does such a great job. I don't know if you were listening to Dave, uh, uh, the uh, he's very telecaster good. not, but. Yeah, he. You we know, got to get him on the sick podcast. We got to get him on the sick podcast. Oh, he's just such. He's one of the smartest uh, hockey guys uh, for sure. I I love his analysis. I think he's great. He was a very smart player. Yeah, he was. He was a very very smart player. He was a great yeah. two hundred foot hockey player. Uh, and uh, you know, when we talk about some of the the, the better two hundred foot hockey players, very good defensive hockey players. He's a good face off guy. Was very very good in his own end. And you you kind of you can sense that hockey brain in his analysis. Of course, oh, when he talks about the absolutely. game, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we're gonna open up the phone lines. Why don't we get to your calls right now? You called. Presented by Playground. Calls, I'm going to say this. Uh, Suzuki, 20 minutes and 42 seconds. The most used forward in tonight's hockey game. The least used forward was Jesse Yulinen uh, with nine minutes and three seconds. Yulinen, unfortunately for him, there's a chance for him to pounce here because, you know, with Pozzetta and we haven't talked about Raphael Arvey-Pinard, but with all due respect, Harvey, I love the kid. I really love the kid. I didn't even know he was playing tonight. No, there's been a few of those games with him this year, and uh, it's been unfortunate. But um, I think Pez has to stay in the lineup. I agree with you completely. He brings dimensions that those guys don't. Like he's got size. He's he's his uh, advanced stats are excellent this year. He 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 does. He's playing well defensively. He's forechecking. He's hitting. Um, competing, I I think that's the kind of guy you need on your fourth line, and uh, I hope that Pez, Pez is uh, a regular in the lineup uh, here on out because he brings that dimension that other guys don't. A shout out to Playground over six hundred machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Playground. We we'll go to the phone lines at one triple eight. Five eight five six one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. Jeff, what's going on? You're on when Marinaro and McCag. <laughs> Jeff, are you there? Hey, how are you, Tony? Good, you? Good man. Uh, first of all, I gotta say I've been watching you, listening to you since your uh, days at TVS Sport. Uh, love you, man. I'm a uh, I'm from Fort Murray, Alberta. Hold on a second. Thank you. And thank you for that. I'm curious. Since my days at TVS Spa, and I started a year and a half ago, how long have you been watching or listening to me? Uh, I've been day one of the podcast. Day one of the podcast. Okay, very good. Thank day you very one. much. I appreciate uh, that. Well, maybe, maybe a week or two late. First all right. All okay. This is uncensored, correct? Fort McMurray. Did you go, did you go out for the oil boom or what? Uh, I did, actually, yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of Quebecers uh, headed out 
to Fort McMurray, uh, uh, what, 70s, 80s, early 80s? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Tony, I assume this is on time. I'm just going to wing it. Uh, you are one handsome bastard, I got to say. I would agree with uh, that 100%. Thank you very much. I know you were, Tony. Uh, Does, first he doesn't all, want to talk to me. Josh okay. Anderson. Josh Anderson uh, has to make a change. We all know that, right? Um, yeah. I think maybe he should start shooting the other hand. There you, you go. You know, instead of shooting right, shoot left. Just try switching off, whatever Chris, you got. Chris Chelios was good at uh, switching over the hands on the stick or switching over the stick the That's other side. And, yeah, yeah. Gordy yeah. Howe. Uh, I, think, I think I think that I should pick up the phone, call my friend Marilena Lentini, who is one of the best in Montreal, one of the best in Canada, one of the best in North America, one of the best in the world at removing, or first of all, identifying if there is a malocchio, the <laughs> evil eye. And yeah. if there is... Her and her sister will get on the case, and they will remove that malocchio the way they did back in the day when I used to work radio, and and Sergei Samsonov was struggling, <laughs> and they removed the malocchio, a game that they played in Atlanta versus the Thrashers, and Samsonov scored, and Pierre Hood said Samsonov seems like a guy who had like an evil spirit in him just removed. This is not a word of a lie. <laughs> I made the Journal de Montréal like a day or two later, by the way. <laughs> so, Tony, so Tony yeah, uh, yeah. Samuel Montembeau. Yeah. Where are we at on contract talks after tonight? Well, uh, <laughs> according to several people who are more or closer to the situation than I am, because I'm not very close to the situation on this one, uh, they say that the Canadians are in advanced talks with Samuel Montembeau. And now the big question is, is how long? I take a look at Kent Hughes's history with contracts. There's a couple of players who got two-year deals, and there's a couple of players who got four-year deals. So I'm thinking it's going to be a four-year deal because this player is set to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Now, how much is he going to get? Well, I said on TV earlier tonight, I'd give him a three-year deal of $10 million dollars. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting a four-year deal at $3.85 million per season, which is the same amount as mon uh, of money as uh, that uh, Jake Allen makes. What do you think? You know, I, I think uh, Montembeau is going to get the French special in Montreal. Um, I think we're going to sign him. You know, you, you look at um, – can you think of a uh, the last French-Canadian player that signed long-term in Montreal? Jonathan Drewing, six years, $33 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they're going to roll it to Red Carapace. Uh, I am hoping that Kent Hughes, listen, I'm not from uh, Quebec. Uh, I've cheered for the Habs my whole life. I hope that Kent Hughes, as a the smart businessman, the stockbroker that he is, um, uses his head over his brain, uh, or over his heart, rather. Um, and I, I hope that they treat this I, I believe Montebault should sign in Montreal, but I hope that they uh, kind of are a little more logical with it than they were. So what would you give them? What would you yeah, give them, Jeff? I understand, the, I understand the drive to sign French players in that market. I get it. Uh, but I hope that they're a little more logical and look at it uh, from a statistical standpoint. Right? What would you give them, Jeff? What would you give them? Uh, I'm sitting at a 3-5 a year. If they want to sign them three, four years, I'm fine with it. But I think a 3-5 is a... 
healthy contract for a man of that caliber. Grant, how much is he getting in your opinion? You know, I have not given a single thought to, to this, Tony. Right till now. Uh, I mean, the league average is 3.5 million, right? Mm -hmm. I'd say he's an average NHL goalie. So somewhere in that, that, that sounds reasonable to me, somewhere around the league average. Jeff, thanks for calling. I think you made uh, very, some very, very good comments. One in particular was better than the others. Uh, when <laughs> when you when you talked about my looks, of course, we'll we'll talk yeah. to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Cheers, Tony. God bless. All right. God bless you too. All right. Okay. Where are we going exactly here? Where are we going? Sammy and Yellow, Juliana and Master Control. Open up the phone lines at one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. We're going to Mike. Mike, you're on the Sick Podcast. What's going on? Well, Tony, uh, first off, I'm really excited to be on the Sick Podcast with uh, you and uh, Grant McKegg. Thanks for having me on. That's Thank awesome. you very much. Thank you. Uh, you're bringing a lot of energy to the Sick Podcast. I like the start so far. I like the start. Mike, don't let me down, Mike. Don't let me down. I let you down. I'm right here with you. And I'll tell you right off the hop, uh, as a good Nova Scotia kid, I'm really excited to talk about like uh, Montreal Canadian hockey because I'm sure you remember Mike McPhee. Legendary. Oh, yeah. Canadian mustache. Mike yeah. McPhee, 1986 Stanley yeah. Cup, played on the fourth line with Brian Scrulin and Claude Lemieux. Good maritimer. That's, yeah, good fella, you know that. I'll tell you this. The reason why I'm calling, though, is because I want to talk about the Montreal Canadiens power play. I've seen this all over Twitter, and it's kind of driving me a little wild. Do you guys know where the Montreal Canadiens are ranked right now in the on their power play? Tenth before tonight's game, if memory serves me well. Yeah. <laughs> 10, top 10 in the nhl yeah like, holy cow like that that's wild to me like we're ahead of right now on the power play right now like the golden knights we're ahead of the bruins we're ahead of the kings the penguins the avalanche like what the heck and you, know what's strange, but true. you know what's even crazier to me is the fact that Mike, you could have called us any time to talk about their power play that was ranked 10th. Like, for example, you could have called last night, but you ended up calling tonight when they went 0 for 4 on the power play, yeah. lost the game by a score of 2 to 1, had so many chances on the power play, but couldn't bury it. And tonight you're calling to talk about how impressed you are with the <laughs> Canadiens' power play. Check the stats tomorrow. They'll be down to 15 after that 0 for 4. It's early enough in the season now, and it's close. I bet you they're like 13th, 14th now. But you know what the cool thing, too, is? Yeah. And, and it was mentioned to, on tonight's podcast, or sorry, broadcast, is yes. uh, their leading point getter on the power play. Don't worry, Mike, because... Uh, his, name's worry. Mike, his name's Mike, too. Mike Matheson. It certainly yeah. is. I, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of it. And honestly, like just watching how it's going right now. And I think we're trending in the right direction with the power play. And I know like, you know, like when you get into the playoffs and stuff, like, you know, your power play matters that much more. But I think what you were saying earlier about like if Kirby Doc was, uh, was on this team right now, you know, I could yeah. very easily like, you know, if Montreal got lucky and then yeah. Toronto in the first round, I'm not saying they're wiping the floor with them, but I'm not going to series. Hey, Mike, before I let you go, 1986, Game 3, Canadians at Rangers, Madison Square Garden, and Stanley Cup Final, Game 2, Canadians at Calgary, the Saddle Dome, overtime. What happened in both those games? 
Well, Tony, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I got yeah. to tell you, I wasn't born until 88. <laughs> well, well, then then you got to pass on this one, my friend. So I'll give you a little bit of hockey yeah. history, you Mike know, it's, uh, because you talked about Mike McPhee. Yeah. 1986, round three, Canadians versus the Rangers. Canadians win the first two games in Montreal at the Forum. They go to Madison Square Garden, and they're in overtime. And James Patrick, I believe, trips up with one of the officials. And Claude <laughs> Lemieux and Mike McPhee go on a two-on-oh breakaway. McPhee passes to Lemieux. He goes up and over John Van Beesbrook under the bar, scores the game-winning goal Claude Lemieux does on a pass from Mike McPhee. The Canadians take a 3-0 series lead. The Rangers win game four. The Canadians end up winning game five. On to the Stanley Cup final. They go 1986. The Calgary Flames win game one of that series. I believe it was by a score of four to one. But in game two, the Montreal Canadiens, I believe, win by a score of three to two in overtime. Uh, nine seconds into overtime, Mike McPhee. Scrooge. Yes, fake slap shot pass to Brian Scrooge, who redirects to beat Mike Vernon. Nine seconds into overtime. So two big plays by Nova Scotia's Mike McPhee in the 1986 <laughs> playoffs. Not to mention that if memory serves me well, I believe he was on the ice with Claude Lemieux when they scored that game-winning goal versus the Hartford, Hartford Whalers in Game 7 overtime as well. Mike, we'll talk to you soon. There's a little bit of Mike McPhee history for you. I could be off on one or two things, but I don't think I am. But anyway, I'm back to the phone calls. We go at one 585 1-888-585-7425. Where are we going exactly? We have AJ. AJ, what's going on? Hey, guys. Good evening. How are you? Very, hey. very good. Uh, are you a, are you ready to hit the panic button in regards to any Montreal Canadiens player whatsoever? Yeah, Josh Anderson will be an L.A. King before the uh, trade deadline. Mark my words. You're ready to hit the panic button? I'm Where's your man? Button, but you know what? I just uh, I just think, you know, he's uh, he's not... He's not as suited as everybody maybe thinks he is, and yeah, and maybe it's not their time right now. But don't hit the button yet. Don't hit the yeah. button. You know that it says panic. I thought it said synap. No, no, it says, it says panic. Like, oh, tell me to hit it. Tell me to hit it. I like the way it sounds. Just tell me to hit it. <laughs> Even if you don't want me to hit it, tell me to hit it. All right, go ahead and hit it. There you go. All right. Okay. What else? Oh, so, AJ, so uh, Mark Bergevin, who gave Josh Anderson that seven-year contract at $5.5 million, in your opinion, a couple of years later, being the right-hand man that he is, to Rob Blake, will say to Rob, Rob, go out and get that guy. Well, can you imagine Dubois and Anderson in the playoffs? I mean, I mean, what a what a combo, what a what a handful that would be, you know. Yeah, I got a great deal. Send them Josh Anderson. Let's get back Phil Deneau. Yeah, and they probably got <laughs> two years left in their window, you know, with Kopitar and Doughty and what have you. So, you know, yeah. it might be worth a gamble. I mean, I'd look into it if I were them, anyways. Right. Yeah. Grant, you see that happening? And, uh, yeah. No, Bergevin. Uh, yeah, I I could see that something like that happening. I mean, it. It's a little early to write the uh, obituary on the Habs being in contention still, but mm -hmm. um, 
certainly if they're out of the playoff race uh, at the trade deadline, Anderson would be a, uh, mind you, if uh, he's still at zero goals, I don't know that they're going to get a heck of a lot. <laughs> you, might, you might have to hold on to him because uh, trade value is not going to be worth you, a heck of a lot. You understood everything, Grant. You don't trade a player whose value is at a low you trade yeah, a player man. whose value is yeah, and that's why and that's why I said LA guys just so you know because at the <laughs> end of the day I'm sure Hughes could look at you know Bergevin and say listen we both know who this guy is right and I mean they understand right like I mean nonetheless I mean it's just a little food for thought but I do want to say one thing Grant I'm a big fan of yours oh, I do owe you a favor uh, before the draft uh, last year I had quite the Shane Wright collection. And uh, when I heard that, you know, you were thinking Salkowski was going first, I got out of it pretty quick, and that's kind of what I did. So I owe, you a, I owe you a steak for that one. Thank you. And second of all, this team is frustrating for a big reason for me. Even though I love watching them, I'm having a great time. I think they're awesome, and I'll never turn my back on them. But it's the little things that are killing them, the passing especially. For They have some issue completing three passes at moments when they're nice and simple and easy. And I'm sure that comes with experience, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, get your thoughts on it. And is that something that goes away? You know, like when you see the tic-tac-toe going on, not even on the power play, but just even in the game itself, the team doesn't seem to have that, you know, like eight foot passes get messed up. Three foot passes get messed up. Guys are shooting into each other's shins at times, you know, a little bit too much sauce on the pass when they, you know, shooting it across the ice. I mean, I think that'll go away in time, and and that's why I kind of think you know I'm not writing them off for the playoffs. They might make it, but they're just obviously not a contender for little things like that. Grant, how how old, how old are you, AJ? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 50, going on 25. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you you're like Tony and I. You're a little spoiled from the past, eh? We remember those. Yeah. You know those those teams that just the, the passing, eh? back in the uh, 80s and 90s and while well, I remember the 70s and I mean there's just the, those Canadian teams that just pass the puck around other other clubs and I I know what you're saying I think we I think we were spoiled in the past and you know uh we're still hoping for that day where there there's enough skill again on the club where where they can do that again and I think it's it's still a little ways away in that regard and some of its experience I think and some of it's getting back a guy like Doc and maybe adding one more skilled guy. And I, yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to see the great passing teams like uh, of the past. You know what? I think the best thing that came out of this conversation was he might be onto something. Even if Josh Anderson's stats are not where they, where they should be, Kent Hughes can call the Los Angeles Kings and tell Rob Blake he's not having a great year. But he's really, really down since Mark Bergevin left Montreal. And so he wants <laughs> to be reunited with him. And maybe, who knows, it just might work. Thanks, AJ. We'll talk to you soon. Of course, uh, all, it, all in jest it was. Let's get to one more phone call, Grant, and then I think we might just call it a night. One more. Hello, we're uh, – it's Jeff in Dorval. Jeff, what's going on? Yeah, we're, hi. <laughs> That's a long time no see, Tony. Hey, uh, come on, ça va, mon Jeff. Come on, come on, ça va. Mon Jeff. Ça va, ça va, Tony. <laughs> ça va bien, même quand il pleut, le soleil me tend la main, ça va bien. I love Dorval, by the way. Yeah. I love Dorval. Oh, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah my, my, me too. I love also Villa La Salle. My uh, family's back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Villa La Salle, especially Angry Young Park on a Friday night around midnight in the parking oh, lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on, yeah. Jeff? What's going on? Yeah. 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 The, the, I was watching the game tonight and uh, it reminds me when I was young because the first captain I was watching was. Uh, every playing with the Canadian was Pierre Turgeon. Wow. Pierre Turgeon. Yep. <laughs> In 1996. Yep. I was what about? I was born in '88, so seven or eight. <laughs> yep. I remember. Uh, bring me back memories, but uh, Tony, I was wa- I'm watching the Canadians. Uh, Should I be the one I to say this? Hold on a second, Jeff. Should I be the one to say, Grant? Should I be the one to I? I oh, so Grant, you know what? You said it. You said it earlier tonight on Twitter. I'll have you say it. I think you said it was you that said it tonight on Twitter regarding Pierre Turgeon and the Habs Ring of Honor. Yeah, that it's almost a little embarrassing to have him put it in the Ring of Honor. They've had so many great Habs in the past. Uh, don't get me wrong, Pierre Turgeon was a fantastic hockey player, and yeah, but he was here for, but for other teams. He played one full season in Montreal. They got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. He has 120 career points, which puts him about, I don't know, 300th all-time on the Canadians. And they put him in the Ring of Honor because they automatically put guys in the Ring of Honor that go to the Hall of Fame. What if they make a trade at the deadline to pick up a UFA that ends up scoring no points for the Canadians? He signs with another team. Uh, but he goes on, like he ends up being in the Hall of Fame. Are they automatically going to put him it into was, the Ring uh, of Honor? It, look, it's Pierre Turgeon's a big-time gentleman. He was a very, very yeah, good hockey player. Yes, he was. Yes. But with the Montreal Canadiens history, it was it was a little bit weird to say well, that. Say I mean, why isn't it Andre Markov uh, that's getting honored with in the Ring of Honor right now instead of Pierre Turgeon? Somebody that... Pierre is going to be the next Hall of Famer for the Montreal Canadiens. Who's that? Carrie Price, Price. Said. yeah. If right. wants to get in, <laughs> no wonder Carrie Price is in. Carrie Price is going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, fame for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he'll be in the Ring of oh, Honor. Yeah. True, true. Yep. But yes. do they only do they only put in Hall of Famers in the Ring of Honor? I'm not like I know they automatically put those guys in, but are um, are there players that aren't in the Hall of Fame that are in the Ring of Honor? You I know what? I, I don't have the the answer to that. question. I was googling yeah. that, that and trying to find out the names. Question. I, I was trying to find out the, the names of all the, the players that are in the Ring of Honor. I wasn't able to find it uh, before the game, but I'm curious about that. Who all's in there? I, could, um, I, could play, I, I think he was in the Ring of Honor. I'm not mistaken when he was honored like, uh, what's that, five, couple years ago, if I remember. Saku, I read somewhere that Saku's in the Ring of Honor and he's not in the Hall yes, of Honor. Yes, so. Saku is in the Ring of Honor, yes. Okay, so yeah. there are... Remember that. I think yeah. you know Markov's got to be. Uh, yeah. Like I, why I would you honor him? Like a couple of years ago with PK Subban, but I don't know they it would they, they didn't uh, do it. I, I don't know. It was maybe yeah. Markov was doing something just, in Russia or something, but there, there's yeah. 50 guys I can think of that are, are more deserving to be in the Ring of Honor than Pierre Turgeon. I just I don't understand mm-hmm. why they have that rule where it automatically, because it looks bad now, Tony, I think, you know. Yeah. The guy that played 
one and a half seasons with the Canadians is in the Ring of Honor, I, and I, I, that's nothing. Taking nothing away from Pierre Turgeon, he was you know Hall of Famer, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But is that not honor enough to be in the Hall of Fame? Like why? I think he probably even felt a little sheepish about it being, you know, putting Montreal's Ring of Honor when he never even won a playoff. By the way, Grant, I got a quick story for you. I got a quick story for you guys. I've said this before, so for those who have heard it before, I'm sorry, but I'm only saying it because there's people watching, I'm sure, and will be listening uh, maybe later tonight or tomorrow, and they've probably never heard it. But so I started working in the media for the most part back in September of 2002. That's when I started at, you know, another radio station uh, that I was at for 19 and a half years, almost 20 years. But my first taste of media was back in 1995. 1995, a good friend of mine, Pino Azaro, former general manager of the Montreal Impact, um, was hosting a radio show on CFMB 1410 uh, AM, 1410 AM. I believe it was 1410 at the time. Anyway, long story short, Pino's hosting a show Sunday nights from midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning. And he knew how much I love sports and he knew how much I love radio. So he asked me if I wanted to help him out with his show, do some research work and stuff like that. So I said, yeah, I'd love to. So anyway, I start working there. I start doing research work. And uh, and I got a little microphone time here and there. Not that I was ready for more. I wasn't. And um, I get some accreditation. I get accreditation to go to Montreal Canadiens practices. The very first practice that I go to, uh, if memory serves me well, which was in 1995, was at the, uh, the Montreal Forum. So I go to the Montreal Forum. I am in the stands um, covering practice. And all of a sudden, there's murmurs that Serge Savard uh, is upstairs with Captain Kirk Muller. So we all gather. We're waiting. And then all of a sudden, Muller comes downstairs. We get him in the hallway in a scrum. And he announces to us that he's been traded to the New York Islanders along with Matthew Schneider, in return for Pierre Turgeon and Vladimir Malakoff. Malakoff. Muller was distraught. Muller was distraught. He was devastated. He started crying here at one point, said, I really loved here. He started crying. He could not finish talking, and he just left the scrum, and he left the building. I got rattled so much to see Muller break yeah. down and cry. I said, I don't know if I can ever do this job. Anyway, long story he's a, short. He's a great person. Kurt Muller is a great person. I meet I, him once. Yeah. He spoke me in French. Great, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Long story short, I think I volunteered at that radio station for about three months, and then that was it. It was over. And then I didn't get my next shot in radio till about six and a half, but about seven years later. So there is my Pierre Turgeon story. Wow. My first day ever with accreditation in the Montreal Forum, Pierre Turgeon was traded to the Montreal Canadiens in a deal for Kirk Muller. Jeff, anything else? Yeah, I, yeah man. The, the, your, your, your broadcasting career <laughs> reminds me of my uh, me starting watching hockey. It was about the same time. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was in the, the 95 96 season when Patrick Wood got traded. Man, oh boy. I, I, I never for, forgive my youth for this. Oh, I was a young child. I remember when my late father, I was, I was not happy at all when they traded Patrick Wood. 
Yeah. Oh boy. December second, nineteen ninety five. Oh boy, this was bad memories, and it was my first year watching hockey. <laughs> After that, I really liked Vincent yeah. Van Foos also. Oh. I think he's a, he's in Hall of Fame every a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, remember, uh, you remember uh, how many? Uh, yeah, you remember how many goals Patrick yeah. was in for that game? Uh, Nine. Eleven, I think. Eleven. That is correct. Grant is right. The Canadians, December second, nineteen ninety-five, the Canadians lost. Um, yeah. Uh, on home ice in Montreal by a score of the Montreal <laughs> Forum by yeah. a score of eleven to one, and Patrick Waugh was in for nine goals. Yeah. You want yeah. to know a fun fact, Tony? Tell me. Who the hell are playing on December second this this year? I'm gonna say Detroit. Yep, <laughs> I was watching the schedule, Bow Boy. So December second, nineteen ninety five, now twenty twenty three. I hope we don't get lit up for another 11, 11 goals this, this time around. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be uh, Jeff. Thanks so much for the phone yep. call. I, I, you know, you brought a lot of enthusiasm. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right, Tony. Have a good day. Also, Joe, Joe from Perlater, he says hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Joseph Briani, my friend, my friend. Yeah. No chum. Yes. Say hi to Joe for me, right. right? Okay. He's, he's a good my, guy. He's my co-worker. <laughs> uh, good. He's a good man. Everything he says about yeah, me is true, by the way. Say hi. <laughs> All right. Say hi to him for me as well. All, All right. right. There you have it. Tony. Jeff in Dorval. Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.ca. If you haven't picked it up already, and if you haven't subscribed, you can get it at a minimal fee anywhere between, I think it's $199 to about $349 per month. Is that right, Grant? I keep on asking you. Yeah, that's it. So less than $50 a year. You can get all your scouting reports. You can get in-depth analysis. You can get videos. You can get breakdowns. You can get articles with Montreal Canadiens players, prospects, members of the management team or the scouting staff for player development department, all that stuff. It's You can get everything for under $50. Everything. <laughs> Graham McCagg, we'll talk to you soon, my man. He is also host of the Recruits Draft Cast podcast along with Shingomo. Always a pleasure, Tony. Talk to you soon, my man. Cheers, bud. Yeah. All right. There you have it. There's Grant McCagg. Marinero Ashoto once again to Playground and the Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. And these guys here, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, Labitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone. Taste Labitta TB. Embrace your true nature. For all of you who've been watching the Sick Podcast and listening to the Sick Podcast and watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and listening on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all all the other social media platforms. Some of you, and we haven't met yet. Most of you haven't met yet. We have a chance to meet. We have a chance to meet. Save the date. Saturday, December 16th at Playground. We're going to get together. We're going to play the slots. If you choose, we can have a beverage. We can have an hors d'oeuvre. We'll have one eye on the Canadians and the New York Islanders. And I might even jump on for 30 minutes or so or whatever to break down the game live from Playground. Save the date. Tell your friends. We might even have a prize or two. I look forward to meeting you 
for Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana Master Control. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. If you liked it, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, and leave us a five-star review on Apple if you can. They are Cavallaro. Good night, everyone. The Canadians lose by a score of 2-1 to one to the Calgary Flames. Two straight losses on home ice after losing Sunday night versus the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 5-2. to two. The Canadians will try and end that losing streak at two games when they host the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, Thursday night at the Bell Center. And tomorrow night, I'll be back Wednesday night, same time, same place, right here, most likely with Craig Button, by the way, Director of Scouting for TSN. Have a great night. I'm Marinaro. And yes or no? Everyone stop panicking. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.